Well, I think I'm going to get started because we, uh, I do have a lot of slides to get through. And just as a preface, we'll have a short prayer here to begin and we'll, we'll get started. So if you'd all bow with me. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gifts you've given us, especially for that gift of the written word that we can learn from, that we can read, and we can essentially get comfort from, from the words that you have given us. We thank you for those words. We ask that those words today through this lesson will bring us better understanding of what goes on and what we can do in our lives to bring glory to you and your son. Father, we pray for all those that we have in our list that are sick. We ask that uh, that healing will be made. We ask for, of course, this pandemic to end, that we can back to uh, having a, an in-person life with you uh, here at the building with all our members. We ask for all these things in your son's name. Amen. Okay, this is a lesson that I had done before on Joseph. And this is really just, a, really it's a story, but it has so much meaning that we can uh, gain from that story. Uh, first question, has anybody had one of those classmates that's always the teacher's pet, the one that always uh, tattles on anybody that's doing something wrong, that uh, they are the teacher's favorite? Well, that's a good way of looking at Joseph. He was the teacher's pet. He was Jacob's favorite son. Now, there's reasons for that. It was uh, uh, Jacob's son from Rachel, which was important uh, to him. Uh, there, you can see, there is the coat of many colors and his uh, brothers all around him. And uh, they were sort of resentful for Jacob being the favorite, as you can imagine anyone would. Wrong way. And there is sort of the, the, uh, the lineage that we can say. There's from Abraham uh, down through Isaac and Ishmael, uh, Jacob. And then we're looking over here at the lineage, and there is Joseph. That's uh, the one we're going to be uh, uh, making sure that we, uh, we cover tonight. Now, Joseph, as a young man, he was only about 15, 16. He had a dream. That dream was all these sheaves here of wheat and grain were well, as soon as I get this right, <laughs> all, this, all those sheaves of grain were bowing down to him. And uh, then he had another dream. There was the sun, the moon, the stars again, sort of bowing down to him. And what do you think his brothers felt about that? They were not happy at all, as you can imagine. So what happens in the story is Joseph is sent out to his brothers that are watching the sheep in the fields. Uh, they see him coming. They have a little bit discussion. Maybe we can finally get payback to this uh, father's favorite. And they figure that they're going to, 
Well, initially they said that we're going to kill him. Well, no, Reuben said, no, uh, let's uh, just put him in this empty well. Well, while he's in the well, here comes some traders, and these traders come, and they're going to Egypt as slaves. So the brothers get together, and they say, well, let's sell him. Let's sell him and, and make a profit. They take off his coat of many colors, and there they put him down in the well. This is an empty well. Now, they go to Egypt, and there's Joseph. He's sold as a slave. He sold to Potiphar. Potiphar was one of the officials from the Pharaoh's uh, um, entourage there. And now Joseph is there as his slave. He does a very good job. He is there taking care of everything. And well, he uh, has a incident with Potiphar's wife. She sees him. He's a young, strong, handsome man. And she essentially wants... <laughs> Sorry, yes, that's why he got in trouble. That's right. He didn't have any, uh, any close encounter. How's that? Well, there he is. And uh, so this uh, Potiphar's uh, wife gets upset because Joseph pushes her away and doesn't have any advances. Uh, and he doesn't have any advances. And she makes up a story. She grabs his coat as he's running away from her to get out. She keeps that cloak. She sees some other uh, uh, servants there and she says that Joseph attacked her. Uh, there's an important lesson right there of Joseph remaining in what God has told him to be pure. Now, there's Joseph. He's in the jail. Now, any uh, sort of normal person, I would say that, uh, in those days would kind of be, why is this all happening to me? He's asking questions like that. But there in the jail, he's sort of made the favorite again by the jailer. The jailer is probably a, a very uh, lazy uh, servant there of the jail, and he has, he has Joseph take care of everything. So Joseph is really has uh, a little bit better life than you would think of a prisoner in, in a prison. So now, right there, I mentioned there was temptation uh, to Joseph with Potiphar's wife. Uh, he didn't uh, uh, leave into that. And with that, he figured it, it was better to follow what God had taught him to do. So he had a, a, a righteousness, even though it meant he was going to be put into jail. Now there is... Uh, Joseph in jail, he has two uh, other prisoners in jail with him. Uh, one is a wine bearer, as you can see there. The other one was a bread maker. And they both were put in there from Pharaoh's court because they had displeased Pharaoh. Now, they had both had dreams. Uh, this is an important part of the, this story of where we're going here. And they had different dreams. 
the wine bearer saw fruit hanging there and, and all the abundance and pouring uh, the wine into the goblet and stuff. And uh, later on, they asked Joseph, well, can you interpret these for us? One of the lines that Joseph uses, I can't interpret those, but God can interpret those for us. He goes through and he looks and he then comes back to that other prisoner and says, okay, you're going to be restored to your position. And you can see there that's exactly what uh, is being said. Now, the bread maker, his dream was uh, birds. He was carrying the bread on his head. The birds came along and took it all away, and it was all gone. The interpretation of his dream was that he was not going to be uh, reinstated. In fact, he was hung uh, because he displeased the Pharaoh from that. Now, here's the two prisoners, and well, the one is dead. The other one is now back in the uh, palace with the Pharaoh. And when uh, they left after Joseph had interpreted their dreams, uh, he asked them, well, please remember me. He's probably talking to the wine bearer uh, and things, but nothing happened. Joseph is still in prison for two years without anything happening. So then, in the Pharaoh's court, he has a dream. And this dream has uh, seven very fat cows and seven very skinny cows. The skinny cows eventually eat up the seven large cows. And that essentially, the meaning there, as you can see there on uh, the right, is that there's going to be seven years of abundance, seven years of famine. Then the same thing with the wheat uh, that is there, seven uh, huge grains of wheat, and then seven small grains of wheat. And then those small grains ate up all of the big grains. Again, the meaning there, seven, seven years of Abundance and seven years of famine. Now, the Pharaoh is asking all of his uh, wizards in the court, what do these dreams mean? None of them could interpret these dreams. And then the wine bearer who was in Pharaoh's court remembered Joseph. He says, well, I know a Hebrew that uh, is able to interpret dreams. They get Joseph, uh, he cleans himself up and things before Pharaoh, and uh, he explains again to Pharaoh, I can't interpret these dreams, but God can. Again, he goes to God, asks for those interpretations, and there he comes back to Pharaoh and tells him exactly what is this meaning of seven years of famine uh, or seven years of abundance, seven years of famine. Now, Pharaoh is so impressed with Joseph that he puts him in charge of everything. You can see there his uh, transportation, his servants, his grain, everything, because Joseph told him exactly what this was going to mean. And to make it 
even uh, a better case for Joseph. He says, well, we need to store up this abundance for the seven years to be able to get through the seven years of famine. He makes all the arrangements. He's able to do that. In fact, Pharaoh gives him the signet ring from Pharaoh that makes him essentially the next person in charge of all of Egypt because he has that ring. And all he has to do is show that ring and they go from there. Well, as we said, seven years of abundance, seven years of famine. The rest of the world, where the rest of Joseph's family now, this was Jacob and the other 11 brothers, they're up where there's famine and there's no food. They are uh, go to uh, Jacob and said, well, we need something. We need to have food. We need to be able to survive. So now he sends his 11 brothers down to Egypt. And Jeff. That's, well, that's right. 10, you are correct. <laughs> Thank you. They sends the brothers, the 10 brothers down, Benjamin, who was the other, um, well, son from Rachel, stays back. And now this Benjamin is really Jacob's favorite. They go down and it's obvious in that dream where Joseph saw the brothers bowing down to him, it actually takes place. And there they are, uh, they're trying to get grain, any food, anything else that they possibly can to be able to survive this famine. Now, <clears throat> this is about, Joseph is now about 30 years old. He is not the young boy, the 15, 17-year-old uh, boy that they put in that well. And his uh, just face and other features have changed. He looks like an Egyptian. He really does. And when the brothers come down, they really don't recognize him. Uh, there is that uh, connection that I wanted to mention. There's Joseph and Benjamin are the two uh, sons that were born to Jacob through Rachel. And that is important uh, as we go on with this story. But there is that connection. Now, there's three tests. And uh, the brothers are there asking for food, grain, and other things. Uh, there, the tests were that he was going to keep one of the brothers. He thought these brothers coming there, he recognized them. They didn't recognize him. He called them spies. They were spies coming to uh, essentially spy on what was done in Egypt. So he said, I want to hold one of you, of you. And his desire was to see his younger brother, which he had never seen. He wanted to see Benjamin. And his idea was to have the brothers go back. And he asked that their youngest brother be brought to him so he could confirm this story they were telling him. Well, he essentially had different, a different trick in mind. 
when they came, they came with their gold and everything to pay for their grain. Uh, so Joseph said, okay, I'm going to keep one of you. And the one they kept was Simeon. <laughs> Simeon of the brothers was kept. And they went back. Well, Joseph actually took the gold that, he, that uh, they were bringing to him to buy grain, put it back in their packs with all the grain that they could carry. They went back and they found this gold and grain. Well, this grain was going to at least last them. It didn't last them that long because of all the famine. So the brothers went back. They were going to have to go back. And now this whole story is that, uh, that they have to bring Benjamin to prove that they were not spies. Uh, and they go back and Benjamin is with them. And there's some tricks that are done by both Joseph uh, to make sure that he sees Benjamin and asks if his father is still alive. Again, they don't recognize him. Now this second time he has all the brothers plus Benjamin this time. And now when they are given their grain, he holds a silver cup from his, uh, his palace into the pack. And his idea was that uh, the one that uh, had this silver cup, he sent his uh, troops after him. They brought him back. And the one who had this silver cup was going to have to stay and become uh, Joseph's slave. Well, they went, they found him. The brothers were pleading and stuff. And there is one in the brothers that uh, has sort of uh, remorse for what he has done. Judah, the brother, was the one that really said, let's kill him uh, when they actually just threw him in the well and stuff. And he was the one that came and said, no, I will take his place instead of Benjamin being the slave. Uh, and now you can see there, it's, Judah has said, sell him, uh, kill him. And he's now has that remorse, I will take his place. Now, Joseph can't stand it anymore. He reveals himself uh, to his brothers. Uh, they have that remorse, just as uh, Judah uh, had there. And uh, they sort of rejoice that they now have reunited, even though they had that evil intention initially for Joseph. Now here they are. Some of the ideas here, God had an idea that this, this punishment almost that Joseph went through for his one individual came out to be good. He has saved millions of lives from having that abundance, storing it up, and then essentially being able to feed people during the famine. Uh, that one life that really... Uh, started out being punishment, turned into a really great thing that, that was good for almost the whole known world. Now his brothers, uh, their whole idea, and that was evil. Now they went from Canaan 
there, but they went into Egypt. Uh, Jacob, uh, the father, they went back and told him, we have found the, the missing son, uh, the one that was killed from their uh, treachery, supposedly. Uh, and they bring uh, Jacob and the family back to Egypt. And with uh, all that uh, knowledge, all that uh, things of management that uh, Joseph had, he increased the wealth, the livestock and the land and the, uh, the grain that was there that all ha happened. There you can see where Joseph went through that idea in a cycle. He was the favorite son. He went down into the pit. He was a prisoner. He interpreted the grain and the cows, and that became the second in, in line with the pharaoh. And now, this may have really started out as an evil plan, but eventually it ended up to be very good. There is some of the time frame of what we just talked about in this short story and slides. Again, Joseph was probably about 15 to 17 there. He went through when he, uh, the revelation in, uh, of uh, Joseph there, he was about 30 years old. The famine ends, uh, and they bring uh, Jacob and the family into Egypt. This is really the good part is what I would think. This was just a story. You saw all the slides. On the face of it, the first episode in the drama of Joseph's uh, story unfolds without reference to God. There's no reference to God at all. As the story unfolds, you see that God is present. God is present in Joseph's heart because he was the one that, that said, no, I don't want to mess around with Potiphar's wife. He's the one that kept God in his heart. Is present and very much at work. This absent presence of God is of God is a characteristic of the whole narrative. But that, God, that idea that, uh, that God was there with them. The story of Joseph is about living faithfully in the face of adversity. You think about it, Joseph, he was thrown in a pit. He was thrown in prison and all that. You would think he was kind of... Uh, almost like a Job with everything that happened to him. He was regretting ever being born almost, but he still had faith and that's what um, got him through. Living faithfully in the face of adversity. In the first half of the story, the adversity is a personal one. This is one person, Joseph, <clears throat> is uh, wronged by his brothers and by Potiphar and his wife Later in the story, the adversity is a social one, not just Joseph's family, but all world faces famine and hunger.
and adversity, Joseph wrestles with the issues of money, sex, and power. These are just the issues over which the church itself finds its controversy today. We're always worried about money. We're always worried about uh, being pure in our lives with our wives. We're always worried about having that status of being separated. We are separated from the world. And I think that's a good example when we say that of what Joseph was. He was separated from that world that he was living in, in the pit, in the prison. Uh, and all that became a, a little bit more of a triumph rather than Joseph being uh, being uh, being the butt of all these uh, wrong deeds. Joseph is a story for the church to seek to live out the will of God. The story of Joseph is a story about the costly experience and forgiveness and reconciliation in the divisive act of the story Joseph is sold into slavery in Egypt by his brothers in Canaan. The story makes it clear that this was an atrocious thing for his brothers to do to him, but it also makes it plain that Joseph himself was no saint and in some extent provoked their hostility. He was the goody two-shoes, the favorite of uh, Jacob. The important and neglected feature of the story is the fact that although Joseph and his brothers were superficially reconciled about half way through the story there in Genesis 42, it's not until the very end of the story in Genesis 50 that that reconciliation is complete. Now all the time the brothers were taken to Egypt with the rest of the family. They were there. Uh, Joseph was still the head of uh, most of uh, the Pharaoh's kingdom. Uh, he was there. And you must think that those brothers were thinking, wow, what's going to happen to us when, when uh, Jacob dies? Or is Joseph going to take revenge? That was a whole possibility in their mind. And no matter our circumstances or others, actions, God will accomplish his purpose. Uh, there's where I want to stop and think back. Think back on what uh, has happened. There was one person in this story, it's Joseph. Now what about all those other people that were going to experience that famine, that were going to die? And because of Joseph, what he went through all that changed. That famine that was there, it was taken care of by the abundance that was stored up in Egypt. Many of those people that would have died were now going to live. We're looking at one life compared to probably thousands of lives. With Joseph, God does more than just make his, uh, his best of a bad situation. He uses it for ultimate good, that ultimate good of taking care of the seven years of famine. 
<laughs> Five chapters before declaring that God planned it for good, Joseph said to his brothers, you yourself did send me uh, here, did not send me here, but God put me here as father to Pharaoh and as a master of all his household and a ruler over all of the land of Egypt. Again, that idea of saving more than one life uh, that uh, we're talking about with Joseph. We see two wills at work here. Joseph's brothers successfully perpetrated evil on Joseph, and God successfully brought good from their evil, that evil overall. God's sovereignty sovereignly works so that the moral evil they commanded and the evils they re that resulted were dramatically reversed to achieve his good purpose. As John Erickson Tada um, puts it, that's almost a Tada like the end, right? Uh, God permits that he, what he hates to achieve what he loves, that overall saving of those lives. Many times when we ask ourselves, why do these bad things happen to me? Why, does, why is this? You must think that Joseph, that same thought was going through his mind that whole time. And now that purpose that God had in that, even that evil that uh, Joseph had to go through, came out for the good. It brought Jacob to Egypt, and it brought uh, his brothers there. He got to meet Benjamin. He got to be re reunited with his family. Now, that's the story of all that was done uh, for Joseph and what we, we had there. Now, I'm going to ask for some questions. Uh, hopefully, I can answer some of them. But what did God promise he would uh, do for the descendants of Abraham? He would bring up a lineage, right, that would rule forever. Where did that lineage come from? What brother? Judah. Judah was the one that really uh, came and he was in that lineage for the Messiah to come. What did Joseph's family understood Joseph's dreams to mean? And why were they upset? Well, it, it was pretty obvious. Yeah, they were envious of, of Joseph. They, uh, he probably did uh, use that a lot of times uh, with his father to get his way in whatever he wanted. So that was obvious. They resented his their brother. And uh, it asks about what kind of character do you think Judah had in this? He went from saying, let's kill him, let's sell him, uh, let's get rid of him. And in the end, who was the one that said, let me take Benjamin's place as a slave for Pharaoh. He had that change of heart. Why do you think Joseph was so successful in the things that he did? Uh, how in the prison, that the prison guard 
took a liking to him and he did all that. And then Pharaoh giving all that power. So why do you think Joseph uh, got that kind of kind of treatment? Do you think that was God involved in that whole story of doing well for all those folks? Well, then, then we're talking about just like David of all the training uh, that and heartaches that he went through. The same thing. That's what I looked at. He did. Do you think uh, Joseph's brothers uh, understood the hardship that they caused both their father and then later on during the famine and everything? Do you think they had a lot of uh, regret for what was done? I think they did. I think they were probably tormented that whole time, knowing that uh, that uh, they had done that to their brother, even though he was the favorite, then they didn't like him and all that. You got to believe that they still, in the family, were going to regret what was going on. Rachel. themselves the brothers and there's Joseph uh, that's his native language and he understands but yet he turns away so that he really uh, uh, doesn't let on that he understands everything that they're saying that has got to put into Joseph's mind another idea of well we have to forgive them we have to uh, get them back we have to provide for them for what 
what was done and that whole idea. Why do you think uh, Joseph wanted to see Benjamin so so dearly? Yeah, it was his brother and his brother that he never has seen. I don't know. I'd have to go back and see that timeline. But I thought he had never seen his brother. But uh, that may be an assumption on my part. Uh, if, I mean, if things are in chronological order, it's several chapters earlier that Rachel had Benjamin and died in childbirth. And then later on, you know, it talks about Joseph was 17 and had his dreams and stuff. So I'm assuming it wasn't 17 years between when she had Joseph and when she died in childbirth. That was, uh, well, Benjamin was uh, Jacob's favorite son that really took uh, that place that Joseph held in his life. is a good part of that had to be embedded in Joseph that whole time. And I think also one of the lessons there is God's overall purpose was for a broader amount of people that they were saved from the famine. And he was using Joseph to get to that result, that good result. Many times, like you said, we experience bad things and we wonder, why is it happening to me and things? And we have to remember that many times there's a greater good in all those experiences. And if we have that, that uh, faith in what God is doing in our lives, we can get through those hard times. That's the idea, I think, of one of the ideas that I always get from, from this story uh, about, uh, about Joseph. Well, one of the questions they ask here in this outline that I had have, have gotten is, um, Joseph probably had no idea what God was working in the lives of his family, but God knew what he was doing. Does anybody have an example from our own experience in which God was working in a way that was hidden from us at that time. Oh, well, I, I have one. I'll easily say this one. I was a young man in pilot training and I wanted to fly airplanes. Uh, and that was my goal and things. And well, my both my depth perception and a quick, lack of quick reactions uh, I didn't make it through pilot training. And that meant uh, I wasn't going to fly. So I said, well, I still want to fly. So I became a navigator. So I went to California. If that would not have happened to me, I would not have met Linda, 
who is now my wife. That is my example of something that I felt was a very bad situation in my life turned out to be one of the best situations in my life. And I think many times we have to think of it that way when we're struggling with all those bad things in our lives, struggling with the pandemic. Maybe that pandemic will make a difference in lives. Uh, that's one thing right now. I can't think of how it can, but we have to have that idea that it will. Those bad situations that we're put in, uh, in different times, we have to have confidence. We have to have faith. I think faith like Joseph had to follow his will that God had given him also. Yeah, that's right. And I got to think about it. It kind of reminded me of a sci-fi thing. If I change this thing in the past, then that way I change this line of future. If I change this, it would have to change that line of future. I thought, so I would be who I am today had I not made right or wrong decision. Right. And learned from all those things. You might not know it. That's one, one of the great scriptures. Uh, a person may uh, make plans for his life, but God uh, gives him the footsteps of where he's going. And that was my, that was my easy example of uh, that bad situation that turned out to be just, just perfect for me. And like you said, yeah. In our uh, Tuesday reading about David and Solomon, David was always repentant and more um, dedicated to obedience to God. So you see what happens when your life is much more blessed when you're, when you're obedient. So Solomon started out mm-hmm. very good. Pretty soon after that, you know, You can easily take that uh, when uh, someone makes uh, a favorite. I know in classrooms for schools, if the teacher has a favorite, that immediately sort of makes everybody else kind of, well, I don't like them. Even though they may be a great person, but yet that is the idea. It could be because of Jacob's favoritism to Jacob, that or to Joseph, that caused his other brothers to really dislike him and what was going on. Joseph had the opportunity and the means either to take revenge or to hope for reconciliation. 
Whether a person chooses to get even or seek peace will make all the difference. How have you seen these different choices play out in real life situations? I think that's easy to say when people uh, seek to seek revenge on something that happened to them. Uh, that puts them in a hole. It really does. Because that's all they think about is that revenge. I think the idea of forgiveness, the forgiveness that Jesus gave to us means so much more. Uh, revenge uh, has two people fighting each other. That forgiveness can be meet reconciliation and bring people back together again. That's important in everything that we do is that uh, forgiveness. And just like God says, love first, and you reconcile those differences. Well, that's the difference between Martin Luther King, peaceful, standing up for the right, but not violently. There's more people doing now, violently, vengefully, for much more than Well, that's, that is a very good point. I look at that now, of the things that are being done in in our country uh, like that. Uh, uh, Martin Luther King had a different means of getting it done, and he did. But yet that resentfulness uh, that came about, and now the people feel that, well, we can't do it through peaceful means. Let's try the, uh, the hostile means of rioting and, and everything else. Yeah, we put ourselves before anything else. We are arrogant, just like you said, about any situation. Well, they did it to me. Uh, well, I'm a better person than they are. Well, if you are the better person than they are, you would forgive them and reconcile with them. When you place other, when you place yourself above other people. Uh, and that whole idea, it's God first, others second, you third. And we have to remember that. That forgiveness is often very difficult. Uh, the benefits of forgiving someone uh, who has hurt you. And that's one thing, again, when we go back and we think about it, God first, others second, myself third, that forgiveness comes easy at that point. Now, I covered the last question about a bad experience that turned into a great benefit at the end. Any other comments? Any other questions? I, uh, I thought I had a lot more to discuss, but it ended up I didn't. So we'll get out and get back into the cold to get home before the snow comes. Any other questions? I am just filling in for Eddie, so this was a last-minute uh, uh, ask, so I was the only one that volunteered. Maybe I won't volunteer next time. Yeah, I, I think that was it exactly when I was sitting there. But, uh, yeah, but this was uh, uh, an, a, a brief story of Joseph.
there is a lot more. I have, believe it or not, I have a DVD series of Joseph through everything of his birth and Rachel and Abraham and, uh, and then Jacob and that lineage and stuff. So I tried to pick out what uh, I used tonight to bring out some of the points about um, being able to get over those, those tough times. Well, that's all I had. Thank you very much. Uh, hopefully it was a small group, but we, we got through it. Thank you. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.